All right, folks, welcome to runningrestaurants.com podcast, where we bring you the tips, tools, and techniques you need to make your restaurant more profitable and successful. I'm your host, Jamie Oikel, and today we've got a great episode featuring Savneet Singh, president and CEO of Partech. Good morning. Welcome. How are you, man? I'm well. Thanks for having me. You know, before we started recording, I asked a quick question of how they got started, and it was really interesting. So, so let's start there. Uh, you're in, as you said, central New York. How to get started? Where are you guys? So uh, I think Parma might have the most interesting founding story of any restaurant tech company. It was founded uh, 50, over 50 years ago uh, off of a U.S. Air Force base uh, selling uh, intelligence services to the DOD. So nothing to do with restaurants. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, think of it as a bunch of PhDs in a room. PAR stands for Pattern Analysis Recognition. I like to joke it was Palantir before Palantir. Um, it's complete luck would have it. One of the founders' mothers licensed a McDonald's store in upstate New York. And she went to her son and said, hey, you're really smart and your partner's really smart. Can you make a better cash register? You know, the system we have to run McDonald's is, is like writing orders on the back of a bag and, and basically a cash register. Um, you know, kids don't know how to do math anymore. We're losing money. Uh, make a better system. And so, you know, they went to Radio Shack, bought a wood box, bought some circuits and uh, built, invented the first point of sale terminal. And I think, you know, when it's, it's an amazing entrepreneurial story in that four years after inventing the terminal, McDonald's mandated that every store in the world switch to a PAR terminal. And so on that news in 1982, PAR went public on the New York Stock Exchange. And it was a, a massive success for the next five or 10 years. Most large restaurants adopted PAR. But then the next 20, 25 years, PAR really stalled and you could argue went, went the wrong way, um, primarily because it didn't really develop the DNA to build and ship software. It got stuck as the hardware guy mm -hmm. and the services guy. But um, to rectify that many years later, at the end of 2014, PAR bought Brink, which was an enterprise uh, point of sale product really focused on kind of that fast casual QSR market where PAR had strong DNA from the hardware side. And, and that acquisition, you know, really exploded under PAR's stewardship. Brink went from being in a few hundred stores to, you know, 15,000, six, seven years later, and, you know, really started to begin this transformation of PAR. And then I think PAR took a, a big step forward a couple of years ago when new management came in and really accelerated that focus on software. Um, and, and then, you know, most recently with the acquisition of Punch, which is a large loyalty product in, in restaurants. Oh, yeah. um, and on this, on this vision that we want to create a platform for restaurants to own their future, because a lot of our view of the world is that while the restaurant technology companies have boomed in the last few years, restaurants haven't. And in many ways that restaurant technology companies have won at the expense of the restaurant. I think if we were to talk to your listeners who run restaurants, actually run and manage a restaurant, I, I don't think many of them would say my life's a lot better with all this technology. I don't think they say my life's a lot easier, less stressful, uh, and, and candidly, some of them maybe not as profitable. And so our belief is that technology should be there to serve. The customer and, and we're looking to build a platform so that we can uh, we can kind of help the operators take back control of their of their success yeah good man yeah that is qu quite a story first of all and a, a, lot, a lot of stuff there to go back to uh one you mentioned the punch folks i'd met them years ago good folks i, I didn't realize you had, had acquired them but so we'll definitely talk about loyalty uh here uh towards the towards the middle part perhaps but um let's like so, so total gigantic change is obviously over 50 years of course but but even in the last, I would say, five, 10 years, POS has changed dramatically uh, at the restaurants in terms of uh, new entries into the market versus some of the traditional big folks. It is, it is very, very different now um, when you think about what the, the technology can do for restaurants. How do you see some of those changes? What are the most important things that, that POS brings today? So I think the, the major change um, is, is you know, kind of foundational. I think historically people at the point of sale is the great point of sale thing just worked and it worked really fast. You know, the speed of transactions is really important. Having it connected to a couple of systems is important. Today, 
the point of sale system is now the crux of not just your in-store operations, but also your uh, out-of-store operations, your above-the-store. Uh, and so, you know, think about this. Uh, five years ago, there really wasn't any push for mobile. There was no push for online ordering. There was no push for uh, DoorDash. There was no push for any of these things that all of a sudden a restaurant has to support. And all of that is run off of the point of sale system. And so you've seen this incredible demand of uh, a, a change on the system going from, hey, just process transactions to, hey, process those transactions, but also help me, need you to help me power my, my Uber Eats, my DoorDash, my online ordering, my mobile ordering, my loyalty ordering. And oh, by the way, there's going to be 10 other software products that I need to add in the next couple of years. Can you help support that too? And so the point of sale system has kind of become this foundational, um, uh, you know, almost like an ERP system, where before it was, it was a system of truth. It was the most important system, but it wasn't required to power so much more. And so I think that that the, the fundamental change has been how much your point of sale system is now connected into all the other products that have changed your restaurant. Yeah, yeah. I th I think about you. You already mentioned it. Like, is has 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 technology made it easier for a restaurant operator? And in and in many ways, it has. Uh, it's it's changed the cost structures and so forth. But in many ways, it's like, man, you get another email, another phone call. It's like, let me integrate this system into that system into that, and and it all sounds great. And then all of a sudden, you have ten. 10 different uh, systems and maybe they don't all talk to each other. Is that one of the biggest hurdles you see making sure they all kind of work together? Yeah, I'll tell you a funny story. So um, we surveyed our clients uh, less than a year ago, uh, served a dozen or two dozen of our top clients and, and said, what's your number one or two digital um, requests? What's the number one thing you wish we, we were better at or, or, or was out mm -hmm. there? And um, I would, uh, no exaggeration of almost every single one, and I'm talking like 90%, 95%, maybe all but one or two, the number one or two request was better integration between the point of sale system and the the online ordering system or the loyalty system. And I sort of laughed and said, gosh, your dream is to have like better integrations between existing products, not to sort of you know reinvent the future, not to have like robots or or like that. It was better integration. And, and so that just sort of screamed to us that um, that 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 you know that, that 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 it's not working as well as it should today. Uh, otherwise we would have a lot more expectations from our vendors. Yeah, I, I I think about it like the perfect world where maybe you were starting from from scratch, and a lot of times that's not the case. People are are using systems that they've already already had in place, and yeah, if you started from scratch, you would love a system that just you grabbed a new client as they walked in, and it got their text, and it got their email, and it put them in a database, and it tracked what they liked, and and then it tracked what they bought, and then you could market to them. And and then they would come back in, and they would get points, and they would incentivize them. And it's like all these all these things that that everybody you know would love to do. And if, and 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 some systems do do that. How how many how much are people taking advantage when they have a system like yours or other? I mean, I know I feel like they're only taking advantage of a, a fraction of what it can do. Yeah. So the way we can look at it specifically, so most people take advantage of point of sale product, right? Because they're pounding on it. 24-7 in that store. Um, where I don't think people are taking advantage of it is all the stuff that comes off of it. So um, let's talk about loyalty as an example. When you've got a, a loyalty product, we, we, ours is, is called Punch, um, you can run offers and campaigns. But what, what, what you really should be doing is thinking about, gosh, I've got all this data on the people who care about my brand more than anybody else. How do I engender them to me? How do I win back that customer for maybe third-party delivery? How do I win back that customer from a competitor? And how do I look at all that data and change the way I look at my business? How do I stop saying, uh, hey, I'm going to look at every store and look at the unit level profitability or AUV per store and instead say, I want to look at AUV per customer cohort or I want to look at AUV per person. Um, and, and I think that's where there's just a lot of uh, uh, inability today to, to use these systems to their fullest. And it's not the restaurant's fault. In fact, I'd argue that part of the reason that people aren't getting the, the most other systems 
is these systems aren't really doing what the, the, the foundational work that the customer needs. And so you as the, the, the operator, as you will, you know, you don't have the freedom to say, gosh, like that was an easy day. Let me go think about running an amazing campaign or running and doing some data science on my work. I don't know if we, I don't know if we've allowed you to get to that yet, but um, in a foundational sense, I think we're just at the tipping point of what all these systems can do and all the value that they can bring. Uh, but the systems have to get a little bit better and connect better before we can expect anyone to actually use all of those systems. Yeah, I can I can imagine a you know an overwhelming interface, and I get it. Some of the, with some of the tech that I use, um, you just like shoot. I know there's features on there, but then I gotta I gotta learn how to use them, and, and then it spits it out, and I, and I get stuck, and I just go back to what what works. And so, yeah, I think I think if 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 if, if tech if tech folks like you can ping pong back and forth with the customers, like how can we make it easier? How can we make it work? How can we be more effective? Because because there's 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 um, efficiencies in there to grab that are just so important right now. I mean, we're, we're still dealing with COVID. We're, COVID. we're 18 months into that. I'm sure you guys have seen a lot of changes uh, in operations. You've probably had to, and, and I'll ask you the question specifically, have you had to change to, to do more takeout stuff to make that easier? There's been a lot of learnings around that. What has changed in the operation side as it relates to uh, all, all the regulations that have changed and so forth? Listen, it, it, it was new world order for a long period of time. And what it, what it did in our eyes was it brought, you know, an incredible amount of focus on technology. I think, mm -hmm. um, you know, I used to say to a lot of people before the pandemic, um, you know, there were still many restaurant uh, CIOs or, or restaurant owners who, who were in this belief that, no, you know, it, who were in 1999, they were arguing that nobody's ever going to buy shoes online. Um, you know, we were sort of fighting that uphill battle of convincing that you need this. I think what the pandemic did is it made your demand for technology acute. If you didn't have technology, you probably didn't survive or you, you, you had a really hard time getting through. And so what it allowed is for our conversations to become more relevant. It allowed us to say, hey, this is the value you would have gotten during the pandemic and this is where it's going to go. And today, I think what you're seeing as a result of that is this 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 amazing thought that, gosh, now that the, the, some of the pandemic impact has subsided, um, things aren't going back to normal. Uh, the demand for delivery, the demand for QR codes, the demand for curbside, the demand for online ordering, that, that it, it hasn't fallen off the cliff. In fact, it's for many places, it's still growing or, or at least stayed flat. And so, you know, once uh, that the cat's out of the bag, once your customer has, has tasted what a beautiful digital experience can look like, they, they keep demanding it. They don't just stop and say, okay, great, life's back to normal. And so we've seen this this continued impact of our customers saying, gosh, that was step one. How do I take this forward? So, so you know, for us, what it did is really change the, the dynamic uh, with our customers of saying, hey, buy this, buy this. Say, hey, what should our digital future look like? And how can you help us map to get that? Um, that was the really big push on a very specific answer to your question. Um, we saw the same thing everybody else did, right? A massive push to online ordering, a massive push to mobile, a massive push to loyalty, a massive push to curbside QR code. Um, and then, you know, now we're seeing the impacts of the labor side of that, right? Where, you know, I think restaurants have a completely unfair proposition. They've got to have this incredible in-store experience that you've lived with, you've grown up with, you've, you've provided for years, but they also have to deliver you the Amazon.com experience outside the restaurant. They've got to do fast delivery, on time, friendly, and cost efficient, right? I mean, that's that's such an unfair proposition for a, a business that never had to do that before. And the only way for them to, to solve that is going to be through more technology. I think, yeah, 100%. And I think it's been fascinating to see the changes that have taken place and that, that are now considered normal. Now you pull up to any almost any quick service uh, location and you can get curbside. There's, they've, you know, they've changed the parking lot to accommodate you. Uh, they've changed the apps to accommodate that, that aspect of it. Uh, people are doing it far more, far more frequently. Uh, I, I know, you know, we didn't, we, 
we chose not to dine out for about a year, I think personally. And so we did, did lots and lots of takeout uh, at that time and, uh, and so forth. So that, that was a dramatic change. And so restaurants that didn't, that didn't do delivery and takeout before, uh, let's say two years ago, they thought, oh, we don't need to, we're so busy inside. Well, they learned, okay, shoot, we, we need to do that. And now that they did so much, I think to your point, they realized, well, we don't want to let that go, that, that big chunk of money that we've learned how to do and do well. And now that we can fill up our dining room, that's great. So fill up the dining room, but also continue to do that. So I think there have been some beneficial silver linings as part of the process, very few silver linings, but that has been one of them to uh, learn how to do delivery takeout and all that better. What, what are some of the things you've seen in, in that takeout world, the third party world, uh, change or really where the trends might go more more for that because I know there's a love hate relationship sometimes between the fees that restaurants pay to get involved in those. Sure. What do you see in that whole realm? Yeah, so certainly I think it was the you know the drug that got people through the pandemic, but now it's the thing that's sort of saying how do I make this a long term part of my business while not giving away all my margin and still building my own native delivery, my own native online presence and. It is a really challenging experience for, 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 for most customers we talk to. Um, the way that I think that's going to play out is, is twofold. So one is third-party delivery is not going away. Uber Eats and DoorDash are enormous companies, successful companies, balance sheets that you know one can dream, only dream of. And as a result, um, th they're going to find ways to keep acquiring the customer. And they have bigger budgets than restaurant companies do. And so they will can do their best to own that customer. And so point one for me here is that you as a restaurateur have to find a way to make that profitable. You have to find a way to make margin on that third party delivery organization. That might involve you uh, using artificial intelligence to figure out the best way to deliver the orders yourselves, or it might have a delivery tool that figures out how to bid them against each other to make more margin there. Or it might require you to think up your menu for those organizations or how you run your kitchen for those organizations. But you gotta find a way to make it work because I don't think they're gonna go away. Um, so that's point one. Point two here is you can win back the customer. You can pull people back to your brand by doing all the stuff that you did in your store, but through a mobile and online presence. Um, you know, one of the things that I think is sort of silly in the industry is that most of the online ordering websites, most of the websites of, of most restaurants are not actually nearly as connected to their brand and their identity in store as they are out of store. And so uh, creating an amazing loyalty experience, creating an amazing online ordering experience that is unique to your brand is a way for you to win back that trust and, and win back that work. I think the average customer gets that you, you, the restaurant, actually would prefer to have them order with you directly. So I think that you're going to see a continued investment, on, and particularly loyalty, to say, hey, if you're a loyal customer, you should buy from us directly and then tell your friends to. So I think that's the, the part, those are the two streams that you have to go on. But it starts with this, the foundational premise, which is it's never going to be 100% one way or the other way. Yeah, I think uh, I, I, it'd be a curious survey to ask uh, the general user out there, you know, if they get the fact that if they use a third party service, the restaurant might be getting less money. So would you prefer to order directly so the restaurant gets more benefit? And I, I know I try to look for any opportunity to, to order directly, but it's a, kind of a curious, a curious question. Sometimes, like you said, the, uh, the, Uber, uh, the Uber folks or DoorDash, they do such a good job of blanketing the interface that the customer is like, oh, whatever, this is easy. I'll just order from these different people. So it is not going away to your point. But I want to come back to loyalty. You've touched on it a couple times. Well, let's 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 go there for, for a few minutes. What are some uh, best practices that that you recommend restaurants use in loyalty, whether it's, you know, stuff that your system does or stuff you've seen successful elsewise? Because I've seen folks do loyalty where I don't know, I just don't get into it and I don't follow it. And there's others where I'm like, bang, bang, bang to get my benefits. What do you think? 
Yeah, I'll speak about a category of, I won't talk about our products, but so, there's no plug here, but I'd say um, you've got to look at loyalty, um, not as discounting. You know, I think people sort of think of loyalty, oftentimes convert their loyalty programs to being these, these products where you just end up discounting as opposed to, uh, you know, so it's offers, promotions, as opposed to actually building loyalty and building trust. And so the, the foundational mistake I think everyone makes is they just start sending spam. It's sort of like, here's a way to, here's a coupon, here's a, here's an offer, here's a promotion, as opposed to using it as a way to build connectivity with that customer. And so the biggest mistake I think is thinking about it as a tool just to spike volume when you need volume, as opposed to a long-term relationship. And so I think that's the, the ultimate key of, of everyone is converting it from a transactional relationship to one that's truly loyal. Um, the second thing I would say is that most people don't use the data well. Um, you know, you should understand if you're running a campaign that if you put out a campaign every day, it says, get your coffee at two o'clock is 50% off. Are you actually cannibalizing the coffee that they would have gotten already? Right. And figure out what cohorts you should be doing that to. And so being able to actually use the data of your loyalty solution to actually come up with what makes sense for your, your business is wildly important. And there are amazing artificial intelligence tools that, that the loyalty product should be offering you to help you figure that out. Because in reality, you might get that spike, but you might actually be cannibalizing a ton of revenue and it might be not really worth it for you. Um, the last thing I would say is that um, loyalty on its own is one part of the solution, but combining loyalty plus payment data plus point of sale data plus your back office data, you should be able to over time to figure out, hey, if I run this type of loyalty pro program, it leads to this type of margin impact for my business, which means this, this, and this for labor, labor for food supply, so on and so forth. And so looking at it holistically is, is really important. And so, you know, I think that um, there are lots of specific problems, right? You see, you know, I could go into, but I think from a macro perspective, it's it's really kind of use it. They don't just use it to sort of discount food and have spikes in volume. Use it as a tool to actually build trust with the guest. And that's oftentimes done a lot more better by not sending a cheap coupon and cheapening your brand, but actually giving them something of value that uh, doesn't cannibalize uh, another transaction for you and makes them feel like they got something special. Yeah, I, I agreed. And I have, a, I have a question for you and you can think about it for a second, like segmenting. Uh, if you were to uh, make a suggestion for a restaurant and you can make a, a fictional example or it could be a real example uh, from, from a client, but like what's a, what's a potentially good idea to set out, send out a segmented message, like you said, that wouldn't cannibalize. Uh, maybe it's like uh, users that haven't been in the last 30 days that like this, like what are some ways they can really think about it differently? Yeah. Yeah. So like a simple one is like a fallen angel campaign, you know, so go to your users who used to come in all the time, but this is the perfect time to do it, right? You and me were similar. We didn't go to a restaurant for a year, right? So we, we, fall, we fall off We fell off a lot of these campaigns, right? A lot of these programs. And so uh, now that I'm you know, back eating, and I assume you are too, uh, you, know, you can run a fallen angel campaign and try to win those users back in, right? And then sort of action that. So what's next? What's next? Um, so you, you know, that's a great example. Um, another good example is to sort of figure out um, you know, the why behind the, the, the flows in your traffic, right? So if you're in a downtown metropolis and, you know, the lunch lunch is coming back, well, that's a community that you probably don't actually need to, you know, send, um, um, uh, that's probably a community, excuse me, that you need to focus on. How do I balance that traffic, right? How do I use my loyalty program to convince you to order earlier? Uh, how do I use my loyalty program to maybe say, hey, if you order after this, I'll give you a deal, right? You can use the loyalty program to help you run your operations better. So that's another good example I see customers starting to put out into the ethos of uh, putting out into the world saying, hey, like this is a way for me to actually run the restaurant better, um, right? If I, everybody comes in at 12 and they gotta wait an hour, that destroys my experience. But if I can say, hey, send a thing to my loyalty customers, place your order by X so you can pick it up by Y, it helps a ton. And so, you know, using loyalty to help you make a more efficient restaurant is, is another thing that I think people do really well. Um, the last thing, which again, is, is sort of well known, but is, you know, loyalty programs can be great for 
certain products to 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 pump revenue. I mean, it's it's listen, it's 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 it's, it's, it's a, the greatest downfall of these programs too. But your ability to have people come in at three thirty or four when there's nobody there to buy coffee uh, to help offset you know some cost impact and, and some sell give a high margin product at a discount is clearly something you should be doing if if it's something your business needs. Yeah, hundred percent. One of one of the things that I, I was just thinking about is we talked about loyalty, and you talked about who your best customers are. And I, so I, I, I was like, I know it's back here somewhere, but this 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 book, I don't know if it'll be backwards or not on the camera, but but this is an old book. It's called Hug Your Customer, and this was written yeah, Mitch, like Jack Mitchell is, is a good friend of mine. You're kidding? How we cool go fishing every year. <laughs> well, tell tell him his book is awesome. I don't know how you hooked up with that dude, but this book is is it's I mean it's old school in the fact that it talks about tailoring company I think in Connecticut for some reason, but yeah. anyway, like they knew their customers so well, they knew all the hundred customers, and obviously I think it was even maybe even be, before technology for the most part, and like but now you have the technology to know your customers really really well, and um. Like, so ask that question. I mean, I know, I know people say, oh, who are your best customers? And they'll think, oh, Jim and, and Sue and, and Danny. And then maybe they can name the attempt, but like, who are your top 100 customers? Oh, shoot. I, I don't know. But that data, to your point, is probably buried in your system really, really well. So when you think about that aspect of it, like, you know, hugging, hugging the customer and knowing who they are, any other kind of last tips to think about? Well, you know, in, in every business, it's 80-20, right? And what you'll find in, in restaurants in particular, those top you know, 10, 15% of customers are a, a vast proportion of your sales. And you'd be shocked how I see that in every single organization we, we, we work with. And so, you know, making sure no one ever falls out of that, right? And they're constantly are falling out, right? There are always people who sort of move on. And so, you know, really figuring out why they leave those programs uh, is vital because it's a lot easier to retain a, a once loyal customer than it is to find the next one. And so a lot of what people do is they focus on getting the next, next customer. And oftentimes I say, well, maybe you should be just working on retaining those amazing customers that you have. Because once you lose one of those, it's, it's, it's 10 relevant customers to replace one loyal customer. Um, and so uh, working, you know, to hug those customers um, are, are important. Yeah, it, it is. The, the, the data is, 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 is compelling when it talks about retaining versus finding news. It's, it's so dramatic to, and get, and get one more repeat customer, one more repeat visit from a customer is, is a dramatic difference to your business and so forth. But, um, all right, so we're going to, we're going to go towards wrap, um, send them to website or social or anything you have out there in the world to point them to. Um, well, our website is, is partech.com. Uh, you know, you can follow us or, or me on Twitter. We do, we've done a couple other interesting conversations and, you know, I would say, you know, once or twice a year, we have a, a public uh, customer event and I encourage everyone to attend because um, we've done some really interesting stuff that uh, I, I think you are doing and it's a good way to see our products and, and some of the innovation that we're seeing. Yeah, that would be that would be fun. All right. Well, perfect. This has been great. We, we covered actually covered a lot in uh, about about 20 minutes, uh, a lot of stuff. And I appreciate you spending the time with me here today, uh, folks, uh, for uh, Jamie Oikel at runningrestaurants.com. This is Savneet Singh of uh, Partech. You can find them at Partech.com. Appreciate you being here. Catch you soon.